Attention film fans, stop everything you are doing. Where's the fruit and champagne? We've a big star coming. But we mustn't dwell. No, not today. Not on Rex Manning Day. Yes, film fans, it's time to sit back and listen to the full back catalogue of superstar Rex Manning, whose hits include Say No More, Money More, and, well, he was in a show called The Family Way. The mullet-sporting, velvet-loving, crooning has-been of a music star is going to be here soon. Well, he's not going to actually be here. This is a really small podcast with absolutely no budget. We are, of course, going to be talking about him a lot, though, as it's another of our Spotlight episodes. And this week, it's all about 1995's cult comedy coming-of-age film, Empire Records. Let's roll titles. Sit down and grab a glass Sinead Ross and I'll have made a podcast It's the real take, breaking it down Having fun and talking movies Yes, it is the real take, the podcast by film fans for film fans Please do like and subscribe to the real take wherever you get your podcasts and Ross and Niall are here and I'm sorry I don't have any Rex Manning cupcakes but happy Rex Manning day and many happy Rex Manning day returns to you too <laughs> <laughs> I, I was yesterday I was excited because I knew it was Rex Manning Eve and that's yes. uh, going to build up the anticipation it's so there. hard to get to sleep isn't it when you know yeah, the next absolutely. day is Rex Manning Day. Uh, in fact, <laughs> you know what? We're actually way too early for Rex Manning Day. Rex Manning Day is actually a thing and it's actually celebrated every year on April 8th. And yeah. the reason it's uh, celebrated on April 8th... It's kind of a bleak reason, though. Yeah, it? <laughs> it's. I've just discovered this, the bleak reason. Um, It is a significant date in music history. It's the day that Kurt Cobain died and it's kind of their like, little nod, I suppose, to him. Um, And it is, of course... Uh, a year after like the movie Empire Records is set a year after Kurt Cobain's death but Rex Manning Day itself I think started in I want to say 2005 something like that as, as um, the cult kind of yeah. following of the film grew um, yeah. so yeah well, I mean tell people what we're talking about because yeah. I don't know if did we say it <laughs> yes it is Empire Records and uh, this you know I, I, I mean this is one of those classic flop at the box office and has been rediscovered on video and it becomes this cult classic that people are still talking about in the year 2022. And um, a big part of this, you know, is obviously the the whole uh, word of mouth and VHS and everything else kind of revived it. But also the fans, hardcore, diehard fans as they are, they have a Rex Manning day and it is a serious business uh, for the fans because um, they have Twitter alight trending about the event and um, in fact, so much so, like the actors love, obviously, that it's been, you know, remembered in such a great way. And the actor, Max Col- uh, Maxwell Caulfield, who plays uh, this aging, pompous music idol, Rex Manning, says that he finds the day both heartwarming and stunning. He says, uh, you know, it's called Rex Manning Day, but it might as well be called Empire Records Day um, because it's just, you know, uh, so surprising that uh, the fans still are loving this movie, despite the fact, obviously, that it was this this big flop at the time. Um, 
And uh, he says, it's you know, it just won't go away. It's one of those showbiz oddities. So there you go. Um, but the movie Empire Records, it was directed by Alan Moyle. And he also directed another great music kind of uh, focused film called Pump Up the Volume. Uh, yeah. Starring Christian Slater that we, we spoke about um very uh, briefly with uh, Darren uh, Thornton, Thornton on our episodes yeah. with him. Yeah. And um, basically it's uh, sort of the, the uh, before I kind of get into the plot of this, um, essentially uh, the, the director, like I don't really know a huge amount much more about him only than he's done this and, and pump up the volume. He's from Canada as well. That's literally all I know. Um, but it was written by uh, Carol, um, Heikinen, I think that's how I'm pronouncing her, her, her second name. I she think act- that's right, yeah. Yeah, she actually wrote a brilliant film as well that actually would be worthy of a spotlight episode in, in future called The Thing Called Love with River Phoenix and Samantha Mathis that we could look at as well. But the little bit of background to this was that she worked in a music shop called Tower Records, funny enough, in the States. And it's very much taken <laughs> from her real life. So she worked with all of these characters so all of these characters that pop up in 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 empire records she actually worked with them um but at the time new regency uh got into a bidding war with warner brothers over the script believe it or not Uh, it's hard to kind of believe this because obviously the film was was a flop and she was essentially back and forth between the between the two studios and two days though after Regency Enterprises executive uh, his name was Michael Nathanson gave approval to to make Empire Records he was also approached with the script for Clueless and he turned it down he turned down the 57 million dollar box office hit which was Clueless because he was like ah like I have I have a teen movie already I don't need another teen movie and this is going to be great there's only room for one yeah. Only, only room for one teen movie. Mm. Yes. This film, uh, oh, look, there was a lot of different problems, uh, particularly in post-production. They moved, uh, removed three significant characters up to 40 minutes of film as well. And the story was also condensed from occurring over two days to just one single day. And essentially, the, the film itself, it's kind of as... as Roger Ebert describes it as uh, being... And he's not a he's not a fan. No, he's not. No, I'll get to that. Uh, he calls it a microcosm <laughs> movie. So one of those films that in a single day, uh, in a single music store, so one location, every conceivable thing happens to every conceivable character. A little bit kind of like Clerks as well, you know? And at the end of the day, they're all a little bit wiser uh, as, as the music uh, scrolls up on the screen. And yes, you're, you're right. He, he was fairly scathing of it. He did call the movie a lost cause. <laughs> uh, but he said he saw promise for the future uh, in the actors kind of singling out uh, Rory Cochran, Liv Tyler and Renee Zellweger. I mean, it's hard to believe that, um, you know, for a movie that was such a flop, this is kind of Liv Tyler's, one of her first uh, major acting she, roles. She had it. only been in the Aerosmith video before this. I'm not yeah, sure. Pretty much, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of strange Liv, Liv Tyler family connections to this film. I don't know if you came across that. In well, do you know, I didn't actually. Well, I actually came across. I think you might be talking about the um, fact that her mom was uh, going out with uh, the character who plays Burko, uh, Coyote the Shivers. fantastically named Coyote Shivers. I know, yeah. what a name. What a name. <laughs> but I did come across some really Which, cool. It kind of means, by the way, that that's 
her stepfather. I know. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah, is, so, look, she doesn't kiss him age. in the movie or anything, so it's not no, that no, bad. No. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's still a bit weird. And he's the guy who looks like uh, looks the spit of Andy Samberg, I think, for my money. Oh, oh okay, okay. okay yeah. uh, he and uh, look, it's no more weird, I think, than your dad putting you in a very sexy role in his movie mu- music yeah. video. She's used to her <laughs> and, uh, father figures in her life being weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, to be fair, but she's turned out she... she was his daughter at the time. Oh, he I'm not sure he... now. Uh, you'd know more about music history than I would, Ross. But uh, yeah, I'm not I sure. don't know. It it mm. kind of makes it maybe I don't know worse. I'm not sure. I don't know. But Liv has turned <laughs> out fantastic. She yes, is, you know, so we don't need to worry about her. No, she is fantastic. And I did come across some kind of interesting facts um, just about kind of the, the movie and stuff. Uh, as I mentioned, yes, uh, it's based on the, the writer's experience of working in Tower Records and each character is based off a real person that she worked with. That's right. There's a real Burko out there. Same name and everything. And the woman who inspired Corey uh, actually uh, made an appearance at a and a that the movie had to celebrate its 2020th uh, reunion. The studio wanted all famous people and pretty people according to to the director because you know Hollywood essentially (laughs) also uh, the studio changed the title which I think is a good thing it was originally just called Empire and they got it uh, they changed to Empire Records which I think is a better idea Um, yeah the amazing chemistry and in fairness is quite really good chemistry like you would believe that these guys are all really good friends uh, that was due to a whole month of rehearsals and bonding uh, for the actors as well so they all kind of uh, just really hung out and rehearsed and had the crack for a month and I think that really shows on, on, on screen Deborah's head shaving was not in the script at all Really? Yeah. So what happened was the director came in uh, to the to to Robin and uh, Robin Tunney, who plays uh, Deb, and he says, I think the studio wants to fire you because they kind of think you're kind of too cute to be depressed. And she was like, well, cute cute people. Now it's only ugly people. Yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) And she was like, well, I could shave my head. And then I shaved my head, which made everyone nervous, she says, because it was so <laughs> live. Like if the film got damaged or anything went wrong, we couldn't yeah, do it over again. That's a one again. take. Yeah, it's a one, t- <laughs> one and done. And, and so uh, much she so- also then had to wear a wig yes, the whole time. Yes, I spotted that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, I love that, you know. Uh, the guar scene. But she's too, she's, she's too cute to play someone who's depressed, yeah. but not cute enough with a shaved head to play a witch. So yeah. it's an interesting, <laughs> interesting. interesting Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood. really, the logic yeah. is, is fantastic. Um, <laughs> apparently, the Guar scene was pitched by uh, Ethan Embry. He uh, basically was like, look, you know, I think that Mark should be sitting around eating hash brownies looking at Guar. And it ended up in there. Um, so there you go. They, of course, all had great crack together and bonded really well, except for uh, the guy who plays Joe, Anthony La Paglia. La Paglia. La Paglia. La Paglia. He was really just like, I'm the one adult here and you're all wrecking me head. <laughs> like <laughs> well, you, Niall, on this podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I do think, I do think that that kind of works, uh, you know, yeah. in the performance oh, totally. a little bit because... Mm. Although he's very, uh, very much a father figure for these kids, he's not part of their 
group. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, oh, no. And he's got to be the adult, yeah. So what is the plot of this? Well, a group of misfit teenagers who work in an extremely cool music store in a town near Delaware prepare for the arrival of an MTV star, kind of Rex Manning. He's this former kind of, uh, you know, I suppose, mega teen heartthrob that's trying to kind of keep his career afloat. But before the day begins, the drama has already started because Lucas, played by the brilliant Rory Cochran that people will know from Dazed and Confused, uh, he's also in A Scanner Darkly. Again, another another spotlight movie that would be really good to, to, to talk mm. about. But anyway. And he's kind um, of dropped off. I know he had yeah. a recurring part in CSI for a while. But I remember seeing him in, in this movie going, well, a bit like Rennie Zellweger, a bit like Liv Tyler. He's going to go places. Mm. And he never really kind of got the parts. I yeah. guess, that, mm. that would have... Yeah. Uh, you know, brought him to prominence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he's given the responsibility for the first time of closing up the store and he has been given instructions by Joe on what to do and what not to do. Do you know what? Lucas says that tells us way better than I ever could. Here he is telling us all the rules he has to follow. But Joe's rules are extremely simple. Count money twice, keep my hands off of his beer, cigars and drumsticks. My, my, how will you remember it all? Good luck. Don't screw it up. A responsibility like this requires the obedience of a saint. So, as you can see, he needs to keep his hands off of his cigars, drumsticks and his beer. So, of course, what does he do? Well, he breaks every single rule. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And uh, he comes across a Music Town franchise option agreement. So, in other words, Empire Records, this cool independent music store, is going to become a franchise. And the weird and wacky employees and the incredible music no longer is going to be suitable for this stuffy Music Town brand. So, Lucas does what every upstanding employee in that situation would do. He puts the file back where he found it he puts the money in the safe locks up except lucas is not an upstanding employee don't let his employee of the month status fool you he steals the money heads to atlantic city gambles the whole lot in the hopes of making enough money to save empire records from being closed down and becoming a music town and of course he fails spectacularly he blows it all and uh, he needs to face the music oh yeah i did that with boss joe the next day so uh, the next day is not an ideal day for Joe because he's up to his eyes prepping for, you know, Rex Manning to arrive. It's going to be Rex Manning Day. Lots of fans, excitement, stuff like that. Um, so Rex, as I mentioned, is a washed up imposter that all the guys in the store kind of pretend to like initially and they pretend to like his new music and all this kind of crack. So after Lucas's unlucky bet in Atlantic City, AJ and Mark show up for work. They learn of Lucas's misfortunes and try to keep it from Joe the boss as long as possible. So for about five minutes before he opens the safe uh, to check where the money's gone. AJ is a talented artist with no real direction in his life. And Mark is too busy eating hash brownies and listening to heavy metal band Guar to have any direction in his life. He does want to maybe start a band, but he's struggling to come up with a name. Uh, then we have Corey, played by Liv Tyler. She's the straight A student studying all hours of the day and finding the time as well to bake cupcakes for Rex Manning. Uh, she's headed for a bright future at Harvard, but she has a gigantic crush on Rex Manning. She wants to offer herself to him. She's a virgin. And who better than a much older man that she shared this first sexual experience with? <laughs> it's, it's aged so well. <laughs> so well. It really so, has. So yeah. well. Although I have well, to say, now, 
from Max what happens Caulfield. later on. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he gets his up and says he does. Well, he did um, teach us a thing or two, though, um, which I think Asian rock stars at the time mightn't have done. He taught us a thing or two about consent. He yep. checked her age. Yep. He also asked, are you sure you want to do this? He did. Two checkpoints there that people should take note of. And he so, also took you know, salad cream yeah. and put it somewhere else. Oh, so you watched the director's cut. <laughs> it, oh, it. that's the director's yeah. cut, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. they got rid of that particular scene in the, in the other yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, he goes rock and roll, baby. Um, so her best friend, Gina, uh, played by Renny Zellweger, is kind of like the rest of the group, not sure what she wants to do with her life. She has aspirations to be a singer, but lacks the confidence to even audition. So she is confident around men however and frequently discusses her sexual prowess mm. uh, but this bag of misfits keeps growing because Deb played by Robin to- Tooney from The Craft and yes The Mentalist uh, she shows up as Sinead O'Rebellion uh, she's got a huge chip on her shoulder life has not been easy so what should you do when life gets you down well you shave your head do you know what I mean mm. she sews up to work shaves her head and the guys also notice that she's sporting a bandage on her wrist so they're like what's going on with Deb so the Rex Manning Day event kicks off. They all learn what Lucas has done, including Joe, who's freaking out and trying to keep the news from the main boss, Mitchell, who is gunning for the place to be a music town. The gang are, dis- gang are disgusted by many of the rules music town wants you know, them to buy by. When Warren Beatty, no, not the actor who starred in you know many, many acclaimed movies, a shoplifter claiming to be Warren Beatty, pops in with a large trench coat to go shopping for rap, metal, rap, metal and Whitney Houston and he makes such an impression on everybody Uh, and he you know like all aspiring shoplifters decides that he wants to work in the store as the the film goes on so the movie continues straight the day where the guys try to solve their problems whilst also damning the man and saving the empire so why why oh why did this film not do well Uh, yeah it's I think it was just another teen movie that critics, it was a classic scenario, I think, of critics just not getting it, maybe, at the time. And, I mean, they even called the soundtrack, like, they even slated that saying it was a bit of a has-been soundtrack. That soundtrack is a great Are soundtrack. Are telling me middle-aged man Roger Ebert wasn't rocking to the gin blossoms? <laughs> yeah, he wasn't, clearly, <laughs> clearly. Uh, apparently, um, according to <laughs> Variety, they called it one teen music effort that never finds a groove. As far as chart action goes, it could use a bullet to put it out of its box office misery. Okay. Uh, the Guardian said of Liv Tyler, Empire Records is a debut she'll wish to forget. And I don't think that that's necessarily <laughs> no, that's true today. Certainly not. Yeah. I, I, I have an idea as mm. to why, and I'm not sure how much this is it, but I, I, we kind of referred to it there. There's a couple of different cuts of this. Yeah. The, the studio are very keen on... on selling a movie and selling a soundtrack yes and as you say the soundtrack is is very good uh but i think they were more keen on selling the soundtrack there was a lot of stuff that the director wanted to put in so he's filmed a lot of scenes that maybe fleshed out the characters get a lot more scenes of say um the backstory even of rex manning who we are now kind of laughing about yeah um and they were a sacrifice to have a shorter runtime and to have a lot of what I would call dance party scenes yeah. in this film, mm. which are great. They are fantastic because like I say, you can really tell that this cast bonded and were loving their time together and the music is great and all that. Um, but they showed it to uh, to two focus groups. They showed it to 
the uh, kind of age group that, that it's aimed at, so teenagers, and they got a very uh, positive feedback from it, and then they showed it to an age group of crusty old men like uh. me <laughs> back in the 90s, and like Roger Ebert, and they got a very negative feedback. And then they could basically pick and choose and say, well, look, we got a really bad feedback from this focus group and we want to make a few cuts. So they got in there with their scissors, they cut stuff up. And then sometime around the release date, they just lost all faith in it. Like, mm. I think it got a, a two week window yes. of release in the cinemas. And it was something so, like 250. Oh, yeah. The box the, office was, was, was terrible. 250,000 uh, or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah and, that's all. Yeah. yeah. You know, on a budget of 10 million, which mm. uh, it's probably a lot, probably because of the licensing the music. Yeah. But, um, you know, they obviously at some stage lost complete faith in the film and it was just left to kind of die. Yeah. In the cinemas. But as you say, in in on video and on DVD, then it's found a completely new audience and they are as loyal as the as the workers in uh, in Empire Records <laughs> to are. this film and as committed to kind of to kind of putting, damning the man you know what damning I mean? the man and saving yeah. Empire Records yeah I mean there's yeah. so many d amazing quotes in this movie like uh, <laughs> like as you rightly know Ross anyway you definitely know myself and mm. Ellen just quote this movie constantly I mean it's constantly. just <laughs> it's one of those do you know actually my first introduction to this was right I remember I was over in my friend's house and her brother who was like she was a little bit small bit younger than me and I was the same age as her brother but me and the brother never really hung out but anyway he was watching this they'd, they'd rented it uh, from the videos sh store and they basically wouldn't let us watch it so we were like well we're definitely now intrigued by what this okay, is yeah. so we kind of got our hands on it and watched it and loved it and then I discovered Covered it again with Ellen years later. Um, again, another sort of video um, ex <laughs> rental excursion kind of afternoon or whatever, and and we we discovered it and we just borrowed it constantly and wore the tape out and we just wanted to be the characters in that film I think because at the time mm -hmm. as well Ellen was trying to learn the bass and she was getting into all of the music scene a lot and both of us when we were teenagers we were in a band together so there was kind of that vibe that was going on so it tapped into kind of what we were trying to be like you, you know probably at the age where you're going to be looking for a part-time job or something like that yes and I gotta say when I was watching this I was originally doing my part-time job working in a shop which was not in any way as fun. As, <laughs> I have, you know, I have a little question here because I know you've mm. worked in retail, same as myself before, yeah. Sinead. I don't know. If yeah, you, I have. You know, I right worked here. in a news agency. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. And it is nothing like this. No. Like this is the no. dream job. I can see why they want to keep it going because yeah. let's face it, there is nowhere in the world, certainly now, whatever about. And we could maybe talk a little bit about how the music industry was changing around when this came out. And, mm. you know, you've got mm. big stores coming in and buying little stores and things like that. But the kind of job that they have is a complete fantasy. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because they just, you know, they just have a great time. They go in, as you say, they, they eat pot brownies they put on the music that they want one thing i think in in the deleted scenes that that they lost the studio cut lost was more of the the staff got to talk about their different musical tastes yeah 
and mm. they were kind of introducing it and kind of saying, well, this is, uh, you know, something that you've got to listen to or what have you. And I, I feel kind of certainly um, that, that maybe it was lis- it was missing that a little bit. But uh, we had a little yeah. bit of that at the end over the end credits. Where yeah, the, the, the argument yeah. with yeah. Primus and, and, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I could have seen more of that in the movie, I guess, mm. you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There is no there is no job like that. <laughs> and when you look at it as well like when I was watching as a teenager I was like oh I can't wait to get a job this looks great hanging out <laughs> uh, shooting the shit and then and then you look at it as an adult and you're like well first of all there is like six people on duty and only one is at the counter what yeah. is going on they're just hanging around yeah. one guy's playing the guitar what the, what the hell are you doing yeah Do Burko's you know? just like hanging in the back with his top off playing his guitar doing feck well, off Burko is the worst employee yeah like, I would say arguably Deb is probably the best she's doing the inventory and the tax yeah, returns yeah, and yeah, everything yeah yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did hear that Coyote Coyote <laughs> Shivers. I'm going to say his name again. He's I know, so cool. Great. Um, when they did kind of have these kind of bonding sessions, or you know, these bits where they'd all dance to something, he would just leave. He didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah, he was too. He oh, was too, too cool. cool. Yeah. So he does I kind of, you know, Shivers. that's right. He does kind of turn up and then disappear and then turn up at the end for the rooftop concert oh listen can we talk about the rooftop concert because this is what they do to save empire records they decide to get all their bands together and serve beer on the street and sell buttons and art and everything from the music store and try and raise back the money that lucas um lost and it's just brilliant. It really is just a, such a an, a an amazing moment. They go up on the roof of the store and they have this amazing song. And Gina, played by Renee Zellweger, finally gets over her sort of stage fright, and you realise, oh, she's a great voice. Let's let's have a little tiny taster of that scene. <laughs> Again, the adult in me is thinking, right, there's no <laughs> permit. First of all, there's no permits to be doing outdoor stuff like that. Whatever. Secondly, they were selling alcohol, which is completely illegal without a license. Whatever. And then the most stereotypical 90s grunger kids or you know came up and I was like, this just looks like someone directed a mu- 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 music video, just went to a high school and picked all the weird looking kids and said, right, we're going to bring them. Okay, the- but riddle me this, Batman. How about, okay. do you remember the, the record uh, shop? And actually, Niall, you'll definitely remember this. Sellers uh, in uh, Sound Sellers, was it? In um, in Drogheda, that, uh, what you call him? Connors, what's his feckin' first name? Oh my God. You know your man, Connors, ran it. And it was um, at where I want to say, around about where the hole in the wall is in, in Drogheda. Sound Cellar, I think it was called. And yeah. uh, there was one in was Dublin. Where, where, well. the, where the sound shop used to be. Yes. The sound shop would have come in after that. Yeah. Yes, it was around there. But anyway, all of those kind of heads used to hang around there. I know mm. this because my brother was one of them. And uh, <laughs> this was this. It was the kind of music shop uh, where, yeah, you kind of, you know that when you walk in the door, you're going to hear like st- something like Nirvana or, um, you know, Pearl Jam or something at the time, you know, on the radio. It's not going to be like... I'm trying to think of what, what like a boy band or a girl band or something mm. in the 90s at the time. Mm. Like that's going to be in on in music town, you know, you're going to hear the kind of 
uh, weird and wonderful, let's say, when you um, go into these kinds of record stuff shops. Yeah, I, so I mean, I don't, a certain kind of crowd, I yeah, think. Yeah, no, I don't want to kind of jump in to defend Ross because I want to really encourage this this new adult sensibility that he's taking mm. on because uh, <laughs> I've not seen it before. But I don't think he's saying that the idea of Empire Records couldn't exist. I think he's saying that the idea of the let's save the shop with this festival where we sell drink on the street. Yeah, and, it was kind of like the end of a Brady Bunch episode or something. I mean, you know? and this is the, the other thing I have. Like this, this film has a kind of a lot in common with there was a, a, a load of old Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland films made back when they were teen stars back in the 40s where they do musicals and it's like we just got to put the musical on in this barn and we'll save the, the, the yeah. uh, you know the town here <laughs> if we do this so that's essentially what this film is doing but at this stage it has built up so much goodwill with me that I don't mind it too much oh yeah mm. it's, it's, it's the climax that you're like yes why did you not think of this before? Put on a gig, you crazy kids! You know. Well, do you know, do you know that in one of the versions or a deleted scene that Rex Manning goes up to yes. join them? Yes, and I loved and that part. I actually really loved it. Gets pulled off by a policeman, so I guess there were policemen there. Maybe yeah. he just was a music fan saying, "Can we talk about Rex Manning?" Yes, let's talk about yeah. Rex Manning. So this okay. is, uh, you know, he is the guy that like was big. I want to say maybe. 15 years earlier say yeah uh, but he's who making is, a who, comeback who is he now because i mean i was trying to think i read something that said oh he's robert plant he, or not robert plant no uh, no robert uh palmer you know addicted to yeah, love yeah yeah vibe. totally yeah but yeah he i see that vibe he doesn't dress as well as him no you know, no he's he's decked out like he's come out from 1976 he's like austin powers a little yes bit. he's got this yeah. purple kind of crushed velvet shirt and he's kind of got a uh, the black uh trousers and jacket and he's got this kind of uh, it's not quite a mu- it's a tidied version of a mullet you know it's and, it's well quaffed isn't yeah it? His hair, yeah yes. and he's like uh got this little weird man handbag that definitely was not cool then and uh, he's like tanned within his inch of his life and he's just so cheesy like he's dripping with cheese he really is and fantastically played by Maxwell Caulfield yeah. people oh, he's, of course yeah, he's, all of us would remember from the one of the best films ever made Grease 2 <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, yes sorry. he's a cool rider isn't he he is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's got he's, he's totally got that vibe and he really plays this so so well he comes in he's like hi great to be here it's Rex Manning Ooh, you know all this and you're just like oh god and you just know <laughs> that the the guys um in, in the shop are just going yeah Rex calm down you know whereas the girls cool are swooning kind of thing <laughs> yeah yeah and like he used to be in this show called The Family Way which I presume is some sort of either soap opera or sitcom, sitcom or something that yeah. they're referencing mm. yeah um, and you know <laughs> he's just he knows that he's a washed up imposter I think you know that one of the yeah. guys calls him and he's just desperately clinging to his fame and his stardom and he know, he's trying to connect with these kids who are not interested in him because he comes from their their parents generation and even their parents you know would probably think he's cheesy now you know mm. um he's like a guilty pleasure isn't he rex manning bit of a guilty pleasure yes yeah and i think he he represents because we can talk now this is the thing what what these incredibly 
clued in music fans who work at Empire Records don't realise is that you don't need to be worried about Rex Manning. You need mm. to be worried about Boyzone who are coming <laughs> on the on the back of this. They're yeah. going to be the ones that, that you know, mess everything up. Yes. But uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great performance. Like I say, I think there are, again, some deleted scenes that kind of fleshed out the character. I think he's... I th I'm happy with him not being fleshed out more. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah, I kind of like that he is, um, you know, this uh, almost almost a caricature, maybe. But yes, and they know, do sort of kick it's, him it's, out. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think he was and what I what I loved about it was the in particular like I think he got the character exactly right mm. uh, he had a right mix there but I also loved the music video they made for his and I think you, you, there was it is, babies, a real Robert Palmer vibe from that uh, from oh, that yeah. music video as well but what I love about that as well it was a shot um, the the music video was shot prior to the you know principal photography beginning and it was really they're only meant to, to shoot like a, a little short like 20 second dance piece for it but the the, the crew who are filming it ended up shooting for the entire day and they actually gave the the i presume it was a secondary unit but they gave the producers like a full four minute 30 <laughs> second music video of it but uh and it's only oh, shown it's for like a couple of seconds but it just it looks it looks perfect for the song like the song is perfect uh his look is perfect and the the music video is perfect to really get across what this character is like. Yeah, and just to give people a little bit of an insight into that, essentially he's on a beach. He's in his he's changed up the shirt so it's kind of this white ruffly kind of shirt. And I want to say he's wearing lip balm. He is wearing lip balm in that. Um, What's wrong with that? You're you're on a beach. It's windy. You got to make sure you don't get chapped. Absolutely. And all of these girls are dancing around in black negligee, and there's a canopy bed, random on the beach with all its like flowing white canopies and um he's uh i don't know he's like throwing wine on them and he's like doing a little shuffle sidestep and then there's a great bit where he just jumps into the shot so the shot is blank and then he just arrives in the shot <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant it's the cheesiest kind of definitely uh over the top kind of Oh, I'm trying to be sexy. It's Rex Manning, Ooh, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And it's just brilliant. It's absolutely he, brilliant. He does look like he's having great fun. Yeah. If Anthony mm. LaPaglia is not. If he's going, <laughs> I've got to be the adult here. Yes. But then Rex Manning is going, I'm I'm having fantastic. I'm going to have a great time here on this film. I don't care. Yes, because we haven't mm. spoken about Joe, the other, the complete opposite to Rex Manning. He is the cool father figure boss that lets these employees kind of run amok essentially in the store and he tries to kind of not lose the head at them and he's really kind of dealing with an awful lot of emotions you know what I mean that's flying around he is, shop. He is. yeah he's got um, them because he does he does view them I think in a very protective way oh he totally does I mean he checks in with Deb and he asks her you know how are you getting on you know he tries to kind of connect with her and make sure she's doing okay emotionally and all that sort of stuff uh, the same with um, you know uh, Lucas he's, uh, Lucas um, is his foster yeah, I, kid how he didn't punch Luke's lights out. I know oh, he, he does. does he does. I know he does. Yeah. I know he does a little bit. But um, if I was uh, if I was Joe, uh, Lucas would be dead. Yeah, <laughs> you know? he would. He definitely especially would. especially Lucas's attitude towards it. They're like, eh. <laughs> oh, I know. I love Lu yeah. Lucas as as uh, AJ rightly puts it. He's like, yesterday you were normal, and today you're like the Chinese guy from the Karate Kid. What gives? Yeah. You know what's what's up with you? Like, and he's just like, 
what's with today today you know it's just like it's mystical I and mad now you know? I, I certainly I can identify with Lucas a little bit because you know you get yourself a black polo neck you get yourself a leather jacket <laughs> you know I'm not saying it was a good period in my life and then you start just quoting kind of you know, I Ching and stuff like that, yeah. because you think yeah. it's going to make you look cool. Because I mean, yeah, he's 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 got he's got a lot of issues. He does have a lot of issues, mm-hmm. and you do kind of see. And I really liked the way that character evolved. But before I talked about Lucas, uh, Joe has a great, so many great scenes, like so many. But he has a really amazing scene that I love to rewind, and it's when he decides to play. Uh, uh, isn't it AC? It's ACDC, isn't it? No, it's not ACDC. It's oh, oh, the drums, is it? Uh, blood on the streets. Who sings that again? If you want blood, do do do. You got it. That song. I can't. No, it's not ACDC. I can't think of who it is, but it's amazing. And um, they all basically. So he goes in there to the office to let off steam, and he decides to play the drums, and they all like basically put out his sound over the PA and kind of go mad in the shop it's absolutely brilliant and it's a great way of relieving tension I mean Mm. either that or shaving your head they've got some great uh, coping mechanisms (laughs) (laughs) or trying to lose your virginity to Rex Manning yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's another one coping mechanism Mm. mechanism that's going to annoy me. Who sings that Now, song? what did we think about the, I think, one of the duller characters in it, which is... Oh, um, controversial. AJ, AJ oh, I yeah. think, is a bit uh, the, the stud oh. of the piece. What are you talking well, about? Well, I mean, they're trying to... I mean, obviously, he's not in... I'm not in his demographic, and Ross probably <laughs> isn't either. But he just seems a little bit wet to me, compared to... He is to, kind of, though. Uh, he's a lovesick Romeo. Do you in, know what I mean? In a, in a in a teen movie, you're always going to have a love interest, and they're always like going to be yeah. the bland, vanilla, what? sensitive, boring guy who's. Oh my god! Looking. And that's Seriously? why AJ is now. Ah, poor AJ. Now your your type back in 1995, obviously, Sinead was yeah. the floppy hair, and, the floppy hair, you know, the grungy and, style, a flannel, flannel shirt, mm. and just like oh, I just a sign of I, some got, some interest in art or yeah, something I've, yeah. creative. I've got so many yeah. feelings. I've got to get them on canvas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have a lot of potential, just not right now. <laughs> well, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, he's probably, out of all of them, he's probably the one that you don't find out a huge amount about. Like, literally, you guys have, have summarised him there so well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and he can't... The, the thing, the dilemma that he has, predominantly as a teenage boy, child, man, man-child, um, is that he is in love with Corey, Liv Tyler's character, and he is really good friends with her and he doesn't know how to actually tell her he's in love. And, you know, like all brooding young men, he goes to Joe for advice and he's like, how do I do that? How do I tell her that I'm in love with her? And Joe just goes, you say I love you. <laughs> I've got a Joe lot on at the moment, kid. I've got a lot on, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm looking for money. I'm looking for Lucas. I'm looking yeah. for, you know, Mitch is going to come. He's going to be looking for me. the money. Like, Rex mm. Manning's arriving. It's all happening. Just tell her you love her. Um, and give yourself a time. He yeah, give yourself a time. What, 137 or something. 137. An excellent time, as Lucas, yeah. Lucas James in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he is. He probably, like, he, er, you, you guys are totally right. He probably is the most boring character. But he is... Um, very much there to annoy uh, Warren's character because <laughs> Warren comes in and Warren is a great character and he's like essentially he's decided that he's going to go shopping for some you know music and shopping, he doesn't want to inverted commas yeah he doesn't want to pay for it he doesn't want to pay for it yeah. you know what I mean he doesn't have a part time job like those in, in Empire Records um, 
so this is how they meet him. Lucas ends up catching him and they have him in the back of the store and he's just kind of very angry, frustrated young man. And he there's a great scene where he's trying to pick up some uh, quarter coins that uh, are on the ground and they're stuck to the ground. And we've seen earlier on that um, AJ has actually glued them to the floor and he's called it art. <laughs> he's actually a bit of a joker. Maybe I'm reconsidering. Yeah, AJ you see, now. yeah, he is so cool, like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, think, I think he saw it somewhere else and then thought that'd be a good idea. Well, you see, he's using the coins that uh, Lucas or Joe knocked out of Lucas's hand. Lucas mm. was trying to, you know, I think he got a little bit of luck maybe on one slot machine in, in Atlantic <laughs> City, and uh, he just knocks it out of his hand. But um, the other, the other thing about it is, um, you know, as as. I said at the start, I suppose all the characters kind of overcome something and uh, they realise kind of, because there's a lot going on for all of them and they all sort of have some sort of realisation, I suppose, by the by the end of the film, most of them do anyway. Mm. Um, and the Empire goes on to, to live Spoilers. another day. Spoiler Spoilers. alert. People yeah. should watch the film. One thing I thought that this was a very... The, the one thing I thought was not progressive at all there mm. are no people of colour at all in this yes film. actually yeah that's very true and it does kind of stick out now because I think mm. again you know we often say if this was being remade today I think you would see a few more different skin tones in the yeah. cast yeah. Um, but I did think it handled subjects like depression and mental yeah. health very well like the, they are very supportive this little family that they've mm they made we haven't mentioned I think if AJ is the dullard yeah. maybe dullard oh, is not the word yeah. we haven't mentioned the live wire who I think mm. when I saw it I was like well he's my favourite character really is this Mark uh, or Eddie Mark Mark Mark, Mark, Emory. Course, yeah. Yeah. Mark is just a bit more fun isn't he yeah he's great so, Mark is yeah, great he's great and he has um, a kind of and, a naivety or innocence to him yes and yeah. I think maybe a, a touch of attention deficit De- oh, oh somewhere on yeah. somewhere on yeah. the spectrum yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and brilliantly played by Ethan Embry who yeah. um, I remember then would go on certainly to, to be in uh, that thing you do was he he yeah. wasn't a drummer in that but he, he was. was another a live wire character yeah. in that <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and he's kind of he's kind of like that popped up in a lot of different indie yes. type roles and done quite well for himself, and uh, I think he has one of the 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 great lines in in the movie as well that people always quote, and he's like, you know, no, no, we mustn't dwell, not today, not on Rex Manning Day, <laughs> and then cue montage, go. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. the only person I think in the main cast that we haven't mentioned is Debbie Mazar, who plays kind of Rex Manning's personal assistant. Yes, Jane. Yeah, yeah and she's, she's a, fantastic. And a bit of a love interest as well for Joe. A love interest yeah. for Joe, yeah, which is nice to see. Yeah, yeah, she's a sideline character and she kind of, I suppose, like all the characters learn something, she learns that Rex Manning is a big fat dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she needs covered to not work for in, him anymore. Covered in salad cream. Yes. Um, <laughs> salad she, cream is also another thing from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Everyone used to have salad cream. No one, yeah. no one has, everyone has balsamic vinegar now. It's yes, we're all very, we're very posh in our, yeah, in yeah. our <laughs> later years. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I do. I like her character. I like that she serves a purpose, you know, and it's this nice little cute little, you know, side romance between her and Joe and you know what's going to happen and you don't need it to, to go any further yes. than what it yeah. does you know um, and uh, yeah I, I did I, I enjoyed her so for you guys I'm gathering then that both of you really enjoyed it do you guys enjoy it as much as me <laughs> I enjoy it but I find some, like the, I find some of the 
I, I remember watching as a teenager and being like, oh, I love it. I want to be friends with all these guys. I want to work at that place. As I get a little bit older, I probably um, associate more with Joe. I'm not sure what age he is. <laughs> probably, in his, probably in his late 30s. He's, he's 22 in this. What? what? No, he's not. I'm he's joking. Not. But yeah, like, right, grand. You, you um, know, it'd be the kind of thing you'd hear. Could you believe that Joe from Empire Records is 22? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I kind of associate with him a little bit more. I find, I, I find the atmosphere great and all that and the friendship and all that's nice. But they're all just a little bit annoying and it's anno- it annoys me how bad oh their work ethic is can i that just, just say can i just foreshadow up. something here when yeah. ellen hears this you're so dumped man like there's no <laughs> coming back from this at all <laughs> no yeah. no he'll ha- he'll be on a strict regime of having to watch it every night for a well month. if she's listening <laughs> to this may i also add that i also don't like moulin rouge oh so controversial in, in for a penny in for a pound oh god yeah <laughs> that's the end of a beautiful romance <laughs> Um, yeah, I I really liked it. I liked it when it came out, and well, it, I don't think I saw it in the cinema. I think I found it like a lot of people on VHS, and have seen it a few times uh, before or uh, since, and then rewatched it for this. It is very much of its time. It's very much kind of you know, yeah. very s- firmly set in the mid nineties. Um, it reminded me of a couple of films that came out. Um, a couple of years before it or I kind of think of them in the same you know if you're doing a, a film festival of, of 90s teenage or I don't want to say slacker movies but maybe slacker yeah. movies so 1992 singles had come out that's oh, another yeah. one I think that had you know a soundtrack that they were really pushing the soundtrack and then the one that I'm probably most Seattle Sound as well. Yeah. Yes, had Pearl yeah, yeah. Jam and Soundgarden yeah. and Alice in Chains and everything in it as well. Yeah. And uh, the one I'm probably most fond of would be Clerks from 1994. Yeah, great. Which yeah. I haven't said that I probably I've not seen in a while. And then Re- Reality Bites. I think we talked about this. Did we? Is this Ross, the one with before? Winona Ryder? Is it? Yeah, I always mix sure up kind of singles and re- reality yeah, bites. So I remember I, it coming I. up, and I, I think Ross, you were saying you really didn't like it. So there's one with Ethan Hawke, and there's one with Matthew. Matt D- Dillon is Matt singles. Dillon, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Reality, reality bites yeah, is reality yeah. Bites I'm is, the same is. as you. I always mix up the two of them as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I think. Th- so I think. I think it can. Reality bites suffers from a little bit of melodrama which you know also empire records has but that being said empire records has so much charm to it mm. that you can that you it can see past it, it. Mm. yeah and yeah. you can tell with with rex manning it doesn't really take itself that seriously yeah, yeah. exactly yeah um it is a really like i really enjoyed going back to see it it's been a couple of years since i've seen it and it just fills you full of um uh, kind of it fills you full of warmth and it's a real comfortable movie it's yeah you know, it's that kind of movie. It's like a nice hug. <laughs> what do you think happened to Empire Records and all the people who worked there? Like, say, think, years later, or well, even I don't, I don't know how many days more later. years they had. Probably, <laughs> I mean, they might have saved it, but maybe. oh, this is an interesting question. Okay, Ross, you answer first. Yeah, I think um, what happened was that Joe, um, Joe from from this movie turned into rob gordon aka john cusack in high fidelity <laughs> oh yes yeah. that's yeah. a good yeah that's a good one I yeah that's yeah. a little bit later in life interesting yeah. yeah i haven't got a clue about the rest of the cast though well <laughs> so, I, it's hard yeah i would hard, say i would say that um yeah and he totally drove away jane in the process i would say that Liv tyler's de- definitely she went on to harvard 
and mm. became extremely preppy and totally ditched AJ and didn't, you know, have this whole kind of, oh, well, let's go to college together thing. That didn't happen. And she's probably running for president. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. I think Mark uh, became, Ethan Embry uh, invented, uh, well, it would have been LimeWire probably around this time, not Spotify, <laughs> you know, Spotify, some kind of streaming thing yeah. that gave music to the masses. Rex Manning died of an overdose in his mansion. <laughs> uh, Burko, uh, well, he, he, I don't know what happened to him. I don't care. He's still really. living in the what caravan happened? at the back he's of He's probably Empire still Records. living yeah. in the caravan. He's, he's one of these old guys that kids come up to and go, oh man, tell us about Empire Records. Yeah. And AJ became uh, an investment banker. Oh. And Lucas became a... Uh, he became a what's the word motivational speaker yes yeah very that. good what about gina now i'd say gina became a famous uh i think she had a, for a she bit had a, yeah for a bit yeah, yeah kind of late 90s uh kind of big career and she's probably still going out on tour gigging you know no i'd, I'd but... say she's like one of these instagram kind of people now okay. you know an influencer uh, you know what I mean? Oh, like I she, but know. she, but she's kind of like her. Her stuff is all to do with like you know um, wellness, wellness and crack yeah. like that. Yeah, okay. yeah. I can because she does say in the movie how she doesn't want to become like her mother. Yeah, but I can see her. Um, you know, becoming like getting a fairly successful career and in what area I'm not quite sure, and becoming a mother herself and realizing that she hasn't recounted the steps. The, yep. the mistakes that her own man made yeah funny enough i see her as a mom as well i do mm. um okay, well, what yeah, do we, we think about a, uh, deb a, what about deb we haven't mentioned oh, that's deb what i was just gonna say she's a bit tougher isn't she yeah um uh, i feel yeah. like she might be a counselor for trouble kids trouble teens. yeah, yeah. something yeah. like that might be good, good for one yeah that's a good one mm. There we go, Netflix. If you want to do a six-part series, we've got it all laid in. Yeah. Oh my God, I would actually Cobra totally guy. be on board for that. I really would. I feel would. like it would lose all the charm. That yeah, that, you know. you see, but then you see <laughs> no. people people doubted Cobra Kai. You know, people yeah. are like, oh, a spin-off series about the Karate Kid. I don't know. I'm all for it. I'm all for the Empire Records spin-off series. I don't know if I'm I loving want to that. See spin-off series of all these lovely little time capsules. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, you see, aren't they remaking the Fresh Prince of Bel Air as well? They're just calling it Bel Air. Yeah, it's I'm, out I'm, now. I'm but it's a gritty, it. it's a gritty remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they should call it Bel End because that's oh, a terrible idea. Jesus, you had to go there. You had to go you? there. Rex, mm. Rex Manning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and actually, they are. They did, I think, or they are in talks to make a Broadway musical of Empire Records. Well, that'd be oh, good. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that well, idea. certainly, like, with jukebox musicals, do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, well, I, I don't know if their day is over now, but um, they they have been a big thing. I think people like to go along and hear the music of their youth. Yeah. And the people who go along to musicals now would have been young when this came out. So if they can get the rights to all the music, that's the main thing, I suppose. Yeah. You know, mm. Absolutely. You yeah, want, that's the tricky part. You want to have part. some rockin' tunes in there. You can't just have Say No More, Mono More. No, no, no. Yeah, but that should also feature heavily. Oh, heavily. Oh, and the heavily, dance heavily, footwork, yeah. it has to all be there. It really does. Yeah. Mm. Um, no, I'd be looking I'd be looking forward to seeing that. And in fairness, we've all been in lockdown and not able to see stuff for ages. So I'd say just throw out anything and we'll all flock to it to be grand. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed our nostalgic trip back to the 90s. And remember, film fans, damn the man, save the empire. Till next time. Bye. See you at the Empire for a gig that I'm organising where we stand on a very unsafe roof 
and many of us might actually fall hurt ourselves <laughs> and we sell beer in the street with any uh, without any kind of uh, any kind of worry about permits or anything like that and then end up in jail that's really what happened <laughs> well this is the end of the podcast so I guess we'll have to say no more one more you have been listening to The Real Take presented by Sinead Brassel Ross Leahy and Niall O'Brien our music was provided by actor, artist and musician Will Guppy you can find him on Instagram at will.guppy and you can find us on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at therealtakepodcast at gmail.com. See you at the movies.